I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. I absolutely love being called the Brain Broad, but I also love story teacher host. In fact, I love every little nickname I give myself. I'm almost a doctor. I'm right around the corner from it, and the kids call me Dr. Drama. They named me Drama years ago because they thought I was way too cool and way too pretty to be a grandmother. So isn't that awesome? Imagine that, having grandchildren that look at you and say, yeah, can't do it, can't call you grandma, going to have to come up with something even better. So that's the kind of family I have, and this is kind of a story show about family and about the effect a family can have on you and about growing up a little bit challenged, sort of like my life, my children's lives, your children's lives, the lives of all the people we reach out and touch every single time we do a show. We have a special guest today, very, very special. I've only just met this gentleman, but I think we're going to be lifelong friends. Really excited to share him with you. Um, before we do that, I want to tell you that um, at the very end of the, of the show, like always, you can expect stories from the road. I guess I shouldn't say like always. We didn't do it for the last three because the entire show was me talking about my stories. So we've got it back. I promise to close the show with sort of a wrap-up story that will put it all in perspective and make it all make sense, even if we get a little bit crazy going down rabbit holes with our guest, our wonderful, wonderful guest. And uh, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to also bring back, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. And the way we're going to do that is our guest is going to offer up something special for you if you want it. You have to contact me. And the way to do that will be mom, M-O-M, number four, evermore, E-V-E-R-M-O-R-E. So it reads mom forevermore at Juno, that's J-U-N-O dot com. And in the subject line, you're going to put shattered masks. And in a little bit, you're going to know why. All right, so we're almost ready to introduce the guest. But before I get there, I just want to remind you, I'm getting so much better at this. You all should send me a little email saying, Lynette, you're getting so much better at talking about your products. I'm practicing, guys. Help me out here. <laughs> Buy some. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Miracles Are Made. I think it fits today's show because um, I wrote it with the idea that there are so many people out there, so many parents that deal with a lot of guilt and a lot of issues and that are attacked by social services in Canada. It's called that in here. It's uh, social protective services. And it's just, it's just really, really challenging to have very different kids and try to work within a system that is set up for neurotypical kids and judges you based on the behavior of your unusual child and then compares that to a template set up for neurotypical kids. So all kinds of trouble happens. A lot of things come to your doorstep. I'm going to tell you about something like that in stories from the road. 
But the point is, when I wrote Miracles Are Made, A Real Life Guide to Autism, I wrote it with the idea in mind that I really want to share for you why the world is the way it is. Not just how to help your autistic child, which of course I get into that as well, but why the world is how it is. So I took you down the whole path of the history of it since I've been in this game since, wow, I'm not even going to say, well, okay, the 80s, early, early, early 80s. Um, and so really, truly, I think that it's the gift that you want to give to somebody who's looking at the playing field of trying to help their autistic child in this world and trying to understand why when they talk to other professionals, they get the nonsense they do. My book will really clear that up for you and also help you to understand why you'll have one child who comes off the spectrum and one who doesn't and that it's not your fault, okay? Because I want you to know that us parents, we are doing our very best working real hard at it and we deserve to understand why it works sometimes and it doesn't. So please pick up Miracles Are Made a Real Life Guide to Autism. We are ready now for the most awesome special experience. Um, all right, so this man that I'm going to introduce you to, I just recently met, and I'm going to tell you how I met him, is that we were at an event together, not having met yet, so in the same event, but not actually together. And, you know, you get up and you introduce yourself at these events and, and say, hi, I'm Lynette Louise, the brain broad, and this is my specialty, and this is what I do. And when he stood up and talked, he did talk about what he did, but what caught me was we were also supposed to share something personal. In fact, it started with, and if you knew me well, you would know. And so when he did his, and if you knew me well, you would know, what he said was that he didn't walk or talk until he was eight. Now, I'm looking at this very successful man, and all I could think of was, wow, why? Uh, were you on the spectrum? Are you on the spectrum? Like, you know, my mind immediately goes to, was it a brain disorder? Was it a physical thing? Uh, what's up with that? And so, of course, I go over and talk to him, thinking, you know, perhaps I'll have him on the show. And it's bigger than that, though. It's not just why didn't he walk or talk. As we got chatting and discovering his story and what he has to offer, I thought, oh, my goodness, what a treat you guys are in for. Because he is willing to talk about things and go places that most men especially are not. So uh, put on your seatbelts and get ready for a special experience. We are going to be speaking with Lyman Montgomery III, and he is a best-selling author of Shattered Masks. I'm going to let him tell you all about that and all about what he does, and thank you, Lyman, so much for being here. It is a pleasure, and thank you for having me on your show. Well, we're excited. So, okay, so tell us, let's just start right where I began, right? Right in the moment that you caught my attention and said you never walked, or we're going to get to what you do now, but let's talk about... Why didn't you walk or talk till you were eight? Uh, part of the reason that I did not speak till I was eight years old or walk that I had a severe speech impediment, and I spent many, many years in speech therapy, and part of it had to do with when I heard people speak, I did not hear words. I actually saw their words. And so it kind of freaked me out at a young age. I didn't know what it was. And so I pretty much shut down because I was afraid to speak. Um, and I didn't walk because my legs were deformed. And so I wore braces on my legs and corrective shoes to sort of uh, correct that um, deformity. Today, I always joke and say I would fail a sobriety test, but I still cannot walk in a straight line. 
Oh, you walk pretty good. I thought you walked pretty darn good. I didn't see a big issue there. Um, I don't want them imagining a huge, huge swagger because, in fact, you're, you're, it's quite amazing. You, you cut a fine figure, my friend. All right, so you're welcome. So let's talk a little bit about seeing. And why were your legs deformed? Was it a particular, just you were born with uh, misshapen born, yeah. legs? Or? Yes, uh, this, my feet, for some reason, uh, did not form correctly. And so uh, I'm sort of snoot-footed in one and pigeon-toed in the other. And so my equilibrium and balance was off. And so I walked kind of with a uh, strange sort of gant. Um, and so I had to wear, like I said, braces that were inside of these very uh, <laughs> just horrible-looking uh, shoes that actually had braces inside of them that were corrective shoes to sort of uh, – straighten out my feet, um, and it took a long time for that to happen. And so uh, that being coupled with not being able to speak, I was real isolated, uh, pointed to everything. My older brother, Robert, sort of had to anticipate what I wanted because I couldn't speak. That's so interesting that you so you couldn't speak though so your brother rob is helping you he's anticipating you're having difficulty walking and you can't speak because you actually see the words rather than hear them or hear and see what i would i would actually see words uh even today uh when a person is speaking to me i have to be careful to make sure that i maintain eye contact because the person were to turn their head it's almost as if I see words coming out of their mouth. And I know that sounds kind of strange to a lot of folks, but that was the way my brain until today processed the information that I actually see words and also see colors, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. So when you were explaining that to me when I came up and talked to you, I thought it was even more interesting that you had not known the word synesthesia so for the audiences that uh, yeah it's amazing to me for the audience's edification synesthesia is uh it's a disorder of the sensory system when the auditory or the depth perception or the part of your brain in the right parietal that um, perceives shapes gets confused and mingles together it's sort of think of it as a, a huge intersection where all these different things come together in the angular gyrus is what it's called. And if they go off into the wrong direction, you might what you should be seeing might go into the auditory pathway. So now your vision becomes your your hearing and your hearing becomes your vision and your taste becomes shapes and it can be a really funky and unusual world. And that's called synesthesia. And I had that myself when I was young. Many synesthesias or synesthes, um, grow out of it if it's mild. It's part of sort of the developing brain, and many have a, a strong affliction. And within autism, this is a common uh, sub-disorder. So if your child is acting very challenged by, uh, you know, learning words, you may want to consider what Lyman's going to share with us because it's very possible that they were experiencing something similar to that. And, in fact, I used to – I had one occasion where I saw words, and I'll tell you that story later. But So, all right, so you were seeing words, but since that's how you experienced it, did you know you were different? I I, I thought I was – beyond different. I thought I was a freak of nature. I thought I was uh, retarded. 
uh, I felt that there was something definitely wrong with me because out of four children, I was the only one this way. And it, it put me really in the state of mind that, oh, my goodness, I cannot share with, when I would share with my brother, I said, why are, why are the words over there on the wall? And he would look at me and say, what's wrong with you? And he would tell my mom and tell my stepdad that something's wrong with Lyman. He's over here seeing stuff. And so I ended up going to a therapist. And they, at that time, kept keep in mind, this is right around 1973, uh, 74, 75 in that time span. Um, and they put me in speech therapy. And I really don't think the problem was necessarily speech therapy. It's just that I was afraid to articulate what I was experiencing or seeing because I think you said at best is that there was a confusion between what I was seeing, what I was hearing, and what I was experiencing, and being able to communicate that at a young age, not knowing am I actually hearing or am I actually seeing things. Yeah, that's that's a pretty funky situation, and especially when you're a child and the only experience you have is your own experience. You can't even compare it to how other people are are dealing with you. You can't you can't really know that you're broken or the way in which you're broken until you're a little better. So, I want you to know that the problem with your equilibrium probably is certainly your feet. But in addition to that, when you have this problem, it affects often the area of the brain that uh, deals with equilibrium. So it's really quite common for you to have an issue with that as well when you have synesthesia to the degree that you're describing it. So at least you got a name for it, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, that was it, was, it was amazing. It was almost as if I had been searching, and I could explain it to individuals, but I did not have a term for it until uh, the universe brought you into my life, and I am forever grateful for having the opportunity to meet with you and knowing what it was that I had and still continue to deal with, but on a much less severe case. Yes, very cool. So here you are. So you you started out with that issue, but that isn't by itself what you were dealing with. You had much more going on, which led to this book, or I assume led to the yes. book. You can tell yes. us about that. So sure. so let's give the the audience a real picture of your life. You had this disorder of legs, this disorder of mind, or at least your sensory disorder, all mixed up and mingled together and making things weird. And then in addition, home was a bit tough, right? Yes. Um, I came from a home where my stepdad was in the construction business and my mom was an educator, so she really pushed education. And my brothers and my sister at the time they were A, A, B students, and here it is. I'm getting Bs and Fs. So I'm not measuring up to my full potential. I'm failing in school. I'm in uh, literally what they call, um, uh, they used to call it ESA reading, ESA math, which they put all of the kids that had learning disabilities in the class. And a lot of times people joke about the little short bus. I literally got on a short bus to go to school. Uh and so in real sense, people make jokes about, oh, yeah, you must have been on the short bus. And I say, well, truthfully, I was on the short bus. They picked me up every day to take me to school. On, on top of being in school, um, um, I was sexually molested by, what, by a teacher for three years. And so imagine this, if you would. You have a student that 
is failing. You have a student that can barely speak, that's in um, remedial everything, um, and all of a sudden this teacher who should be educating students takes advantage of me uh, and sexually molests me for over a three-year period of time. Um, and so my whole life went into a downward spiral. And while all this was going on, I was suffering in silence. And that led to uh, many years later writing the book. I have to really pat you on the back for being willing to come out and talk about sexual abuse in a circumstance like that. I actually really struggled to talk about a similar thing that happened to my son with his teaching assistant. And um, everybody told me to leave it out of the book. And I, w I was determined to tell parents, you know, what can happen, what it's like, why the professionals will deal with you the way they do. And um, I was not supported in my decision to do that. I just did it anyway. So I want to give you a pat on the back for that and ask if you had controversy surrounding that, if people were surprised or tried to get you not to or if they were supportive. Yes, yes. I had several of my very close colleagues uh, in the business world. I had those in the educational arena. I had those from the spiritual arena. Keep in mind, all these are men that said, Lyman, you cannot put this in a book. You cannot talk about it. It will be a career destroyer. Your speaking engagement will cut off. You will be labeled um, a freak. And it happened so long ago, just get over it. And there was something on the inside of me that said, listen, I've been hiding this secret for over 35-plus years. And, and let me share a little bit. My life um, changed because in seventh grade, I had a teacher named Miss Jarvis who explained to me that I was different, but being different was okay. And she provided me with some strategies that helped me go from making D's and L's to honor roll and going on fast-forwarding to uh, getting accepted on a full scholarship to college, graduating with good grades, getting into graduate school, graduating, going on, getting my first master, second master, and currently work on my Ph.D. And so prior to getting my second master's, I was dealing with memories because part of what happens with sexual abuse is that my mother would ask me questions about my childhood, and there would be whole years I couldn't remember. They would be almost like dream stages. And basically my brain just shut down those painful memories and I never forget, I was speaking somewhere, I think I was in um, Arizona somewhere, and I came back to the hotel, I fell asleep, I woke up, and I was literally in a state of shock because all of those memories hit me at once. I can remember the sensation, I can remember the event, and these were suppressed memories that had been suppressed for over 30-plus years, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they hit me. And I didn't know what to do, um, and I and I remember just profusely just crying and, and and just wondering what is wrong with me, and why am I having these these memories that were coming back that I thought I had repressed over the years. Yeah, I 
would like to say I don't understand, but I do. I've been there. It's it's uh, it's like a waterfall of junk coming out. It is. Really awful, it is. Yeah. And so, go on. Yeah, and from that experience, I was talking with a good friend of mine, um, and we had been friends for 20 years. And he had shared with me, and he's a national, international speaker. He said, I just came back from doing a talk on uh, child molestation, and I shared my story. And he said, you know, you may not know that. He said, I was molested by a teacher. And he started talking. There was some similarity between what had happened to him and what had happened to me. And the ironic thing is that even though, uh, this gentleman and I had been friends for over 20 years. There was a still silence. And I said the name. He said, how did you know? And I said, he did the same thing to me. And he said to me, he said, Lyman, you've got to write a book. And he was the one. He wrote the forward of the book. And um, he said, Lyman, you have to do it because you will not be healed of this until you get it out of your head because you may hold the keys to helping someone else find their healing. And boy, was he right. And that's how he yeah. came up with the name Shattered Mass, Seven Mass We Wear. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a big story. I don't know if you're aware of it or if you've ever looked at the stats, and I certainly haven't looked at the statistics on this in quite a long time. But when my son was dealing with a similar issue, I, um, I did look them up. And people with a nonverbal or minimally verbal or verbal challenged situation at that time in Canada, mind you, because I was um, I was living in Canada at the time, and everyone says in Canada, you say they would do it there? Yes, yes, we all have crime in every country, and um, the stats were believed to be about 82 percent of children in that state were molested or abused at at some level by caregivers and educators. So it's so high. It's such a high number. You really have to recognize that these children are victims. Yes. Yeah, it's a big problem. You are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and we are having a wonderful chat about very serious and heavy stuff that if you take it to heart and really get some lessons up from today's show, you will probably have a lighter and happier life. So that's the purpose sometimes of looking underneath the rug and seeing what's there. Also, I want you to keep track of this man who we are talking to, Lyman Montgomery III. I want you to keep track of the fact that no matter how he began, he ended up in a beautiful place. Keep your heart and your hope alive for your children, for yourselves, and always move forward into a beautiful life, and that's the way that it is done. Remember to stay to the end of the show where I will do Stories from the Road. And before we let Lyman go, we're going to do Okay, 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 the great guest giveaway because he's going to give something away. Um, and we are back, Lyman. I, so we ended on the whole idea about the statistics for, I mean, it's just its just frightening and horrible, the number of kids that deal with um, being molested and abused in schools. And it's really unfortunate that they get all the power in the educational system and the parents hardly have any. So we'll, we'll, I'm going to get into that in Stories from the Road. But uh, before we go there, talk to us a little bit about where you're at right now. What do you do? Sure. Um, I, I tell you, and I, would, and I tell your listening audience this as well. 
regardless of what tragedy, adversity, hardship you've gone through, it is for a reason. It is for a purpose. And sometimes that's hard to understand. What do you mean I went through all of this, that there is a greater purpose behind it? And I believe if I had not gone through the physical challenges, the mental challenges, the sexual abuse, I would not be in the place that I'm in today. But literally I touched the lives of hundreds and thousands of men, women, and children all over the country. I do about 30 to 35 speaking engagements a year, going into colleges, universities, associations. You know what I love doing? Going into high school and talking to kids and talking to teachers and educators about, listen, it doesn't matter what you've gone through. I have a program that I call Get Mad. And kids love it because I say get mad means get motivated and determined about your life. Because nothing happens until we get mad. Until I got mad, I had to get motivated and determined to turn my life around, that I would not be defined by what happened to me, that I would take power from it, that I may be able to empower others. And that's what I'm doing. I work at a great institution of higher learning in Indiana. Uh, I have a great business, Lyman Montgomery Business Success Network, um, great family, uh, my son, is healthy. I mean, he helps me in business. He's 12 years old. He wants to be an author. He wants to be a professional speaker and do what his daddy does. And it's because I poured so much into believing that people can change. And one of my, my greatest motto is change takes courage. And I just share that message with everyone but listen, I know it's scary. I know it's painful. But guess what? If you learn the principles that are outlined in the book, you can shatter the mask, those psychological masks that hold people back. And I'll just share two masks real quickly, especially for men. And that is the mask of silence. There are so many men that have suffered sexual abuse, but, and they are suffering in silence. It's almost like the house is on fire. And you know you need to get out, but you won't sound the alarm. And so what needs to happen, and I'm so grateful for this platform, for you having me on your show, to let people know that, guess what, there is help available. You need to be able to break the mask, to shatter the mask, to silence, and say, help. And it's okay for me to cry out and say, help. That's not a dirty word. No longer do we have to show, as in the old days, to be a man meaning to suffer in silence. No, too many of us are dying of heart attacks, diabetes, because of the stress of keeping things built up on the inside of us. The second mask that I deal with is the mask of relationships. If you've gone through any type of abuse and you've not been healed, you've not been, uh, if you've not dealt with those issues, you will go from one relationship to the next relationship trying to find healing. And the truth of the matter is you cannot help someone else until you help yourself. It's sort of like the analogy of being on the airplane. And the announcement comes on and says, should the cabin lose pressure, the oxygen mask will come down. And then it says this. It says, please put your oxygen mask on first before trying to help someone else. And so there's a lot of individuals, especially men, that are trying to help others and they're suffocating 
especially in relationships. And so those are just two tad bits and two of the masks I deal with out of seven in the book, Shattered Mask, Seven Masks Beware. I got to tell you, I have a chapter in my book called Put the Oxygen Mask on You First because <laughs> I'm telling you, we are way too much alike. Um, so I I remember you know, thinking that it was a horrible and insulting thing to suggest that I might save myself before my child. And then one day I was on a plane and I got the concept and dropped the martyr martyr syndrome and realized, oh my gosh, the way to save them is to save me. And yeah. it was just great. Um, very freeing. So let's let's return to one more thing before we get into the great guest giveaway and say goodbye, which I, I, I'm going to hate saying goodbye, but all right, so let's get into this one thing. So you said that you had a teacher that really turned it around. And what I like about that, and I want to kind of focus on it for a second, is we've been talking about how, you know, these educators have caused problems, horrible, horrible problems for many kids. And, and you know, my son has a story like that, and you have a story like that. And very often the educational system is very protected by the law and gets away with an awful lot where the parents wouldn't. So what I don't want to do is paint black all of the educational system and all teachers who pour their heart into helping their children. So let's look at this woman. So here you have somebody that's hurting you, and then you have someone who turns your life around. And they're both teachers. Yes, and they're both teachers in the same school. Yeah, what a quandary for a child, really. <laughs> but but let's talk about what she said to you. What were the gifts? What was the thing that she gave you, and how did she help you? What were some of the tools? This is what she said to me. At this time, I'm now in um, coming out of the sixth grade, going into the seventh grade. And she was my language arts teacher. And I remember she asked me a question. I kind of just sat there. And she walked up to me, put her hands on my shoulder, and said, did you hear me speaking to you, Lyman? And I'm, I just nodded my head as in yes. She was like, no, I need you to say yes. And I was like, yes. And I said, well, I can't talk. And what she did is she continued to ask me questions. And I would sort of mumble. And she would say, no, you can speak up. It's okay. And she just reassured me. And then after about maybe five or ten minutes of this sort of back and forth, lift up your head, speak, she said, Lyman, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just different, and it's okay to be different because I'm different, and everyone in this class is different. None of us were made the same. We look different. We talk different. We even act different. And then she said the key word. We even learn differently, and that's okay. And that was the first time I heard it was okay to be different. Because everyone else was telling me, what's wrong with you? How come you're not like so-and-so? How come you're not like your brother? How come you cannot be like so-and-so? And here it is, Mrs. Jarvis is saying it's okay to be different. Within six months, Ms. Jarvis had me in a speech competition, and she taught me three important lessons. She said, Lyman, when you take the stage, remember these three words, three Ps, and I live by them today. She said, present, poise, and then your presentation. And I'm telling you today, those words followed me and have followed me, and I shared out with others that when they overcome their fears to remember, present, poise, 
and presentation. Have a presence. You got to have a presence. Because when you walk into a room, do people notice you? All right? Do you kind of fade in the background or do you stand out? And what is your presentation? In other words, when you speak, will people remember you? And all of us have these three Ps. All of us have a presence. All of us have a presentation. And all of us need to learn to walk with poise and elegance because that's who we are. We were created to be successful. We were created to live an abundant life. And unfortunately, our subconscious tries to rob us and because of negative influence, we self-sabotage the greatness that we truly have, that we were gifted with from the Creator. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. All right, so, uh, okay, 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 it's time for the great guest giveaway. Yes. And our friend Lyman is going to give something away. What are you going to offer up, my folks? You know what? This book is dear to me. Uh, it has literally gone around the world. People have been so blessed by it. I get phone calls. I get emails. And what I want to do, just for your listening audience, you know you must be real special for me to do this. I'm going to give away the electronic version. We have a hard copy, a soft copy, and we have a Kindle version, okay? And I know my publisher is going to be mad at me, but guess what? That's okay. I want to give away free, no strings attached, all right, the electronic version of my book. And I want to do it even better than that, all right? I will give away a signed autographed copy to the first 20 that email you or you let me know, and I give it away free, all right? 20 copies free, all right, of a soft copy. And then for those that may pick up this later, all they got to do is contact you, and then I send you a link, and they can download the e-version of the book. Wow. wow. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have to get this because really and truly, I I can't tell you how often I, as a counselor, end up talking to people that have suffered this and will not speak out. And even if all you do is have it and have it available in your home in case some curious fingers want to go take it off a shelf and read it and not tell anybody they're reading it, you're doing somebody some good. So get it even for that reason. Lyman, thank you so much for sharing and being willing to um, gift us with your presence, your poise, and your presentation. Hey, it's been an honor, and thank you for what you are doing. You literally helped close a chapter in my life to open up a door for a new chapter because I now know and have a term for what I was dealing with. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. You are welcome. And that was Lyman Montgomery. If you want to check him out, he has a great website, www.lymanmontgomery.com. I am going to spell that for you, L-Y-M-A-N. 
M-O-N-T-G-O-M-E-R-Y.com. Doesn't put the third on there. Third. I always wanted to know somebody that had the third or the second at the end of their names. Lyman Montgomery the third. Sounds really cool, actually. Lyman Montgomery the third. I'm doing that so that you'll remember his name, but also because it sounds really cool. When I was young, I used to do a lot of that kind of stuff where I'd want to say the same word over and over and over again. So, you know, that's why I like to play with autistic children because we have so much in common. And I also have something in common with uh, Lyman Montgomery the third. Uh, in that, uh, I also had synesthesia, and I did not have his kind. I saw color for sound, so I could play the piano by color for years, and then that went away. But I still have a relationship with words that is sort of a color-driven relationship. And um, But one day, and I tell this in my show, in my one-woman show, Crazy to Sane, but one day I was standing, I was about eight years old actually, and I was standing in the playground and somebody was talking to me. And I'm not going to tell you the whole thing because it really w- turned into like a very esoteric kind of unusual circumstance. But while this person was talking, I could see the words coming out of their mouth and changing into different words on their way, slow down like in slow motion, change, recreate themselves and go into my ears as something different from what they had intended. And so for me that was like a a message about reality and about the way we filter and the way we understand and that we hear something different than what people say. What I didn't know is it was related to this other issue that I had, which is synesthesia, and I didn't know I had that because it was just how I was. And it wasn't until many, many years later when it kind of went away enough that I could talk about it and say, hey, where did that go, that people said, well, that's not normal. And it's in hindsight that you can look back sometimes and see what you have or what you had or what you dealt with. And that's what's um, it's important to understand that for your kids because they can't really tell you because they have no other experience. So until you sort of get them along the road to healing, they really can't look back and say what it used to be. You want to help them to move forward in order to be able to look back. Um, it's a, it's a, a, you know, a difficult thing to think, how do I help them move forward when I don't know where they're starting from? Well, you don't always have to know what's going on on the inside of a person. You can start by just seeing what's going on on the outside and meeting them where they're at and just, you know, trying to play towards better language, you know, better potty skills, <laughs> better walking, better eye contact, whatever it is. And then as that improves, remember to look back and have help them to be able to tell you what used to be so that you can get a clearer picture of what is yet to come and what still has to be done. Okay, it is time for Stories from the Road. Given the theme of the day, I would really, really like to say that I only have one story that I can pull from all my life experience. Or at the very least that I only have two or three. But in fact, while Lyman was talking, I was sifting through many, many, many. Um, and trying to pull what what do I think will land us on our feet and give us sort of a hopeful place, um, but some, you know, real information. Uh, the reason I, I say it that way is I want you to understand that it actually happens a lot. There's a lot of abuse that happens in the educational system to your children you just got to keep an eye on things you just gotta if and you just got to stay controlling and you got to fight for their rights and 
the second there's an IEP in place, you know, there's a new kind of attention paid to your child, and some of that attention is going to bless, bless, bless them, and some of them that attention is going to hurt them because there are people who are not um, they're not ready for the kind of power and control they have over your child, and so they can't handle it. And um, so I'm going to actually start with some, or actually I'm going to share a really recent story as in yesterday, and I'm going to share a personal one. And the reason I decided that is because many of the stories that I have in my head from having been shared by many of my clients around the world are truly, truly um, private and confidential, and they would be terrified to be recognized, and I'm not sure I can sort of hide their identity well enough while staying true to the story. So instead, what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave out my son's story, not tell you that, because you can get my book, Miracles Are Made, A Real Life Guide to Autism, if you want that info. Um, But I'm going to tell you what just happened. So here I have this situation where I have a grandson who used to be autistic, no longer is. We got him completely off the spectrum. He didn't talk. He didn't, you know, he didn't wear clothes. He went, we went through all this stuff. And he lived in the country in Texas, and it all worked out really nicely. And we managed it for years and years. And then, he, you know, finally it got to where he never had an IEP. He was handling school. Everything's going great. And he hits teenage years. And as you all know, sometimes when the teenage years hit, any missing fragments of of unhealth (laughs) or ill health uh, sort of rear their ugly head and, and, and become known and make a lot of noise. And so he hit a point where he was um, no longer able to keep to himself this secret of being in love with another boy and believed believes himself to be gay and wanted to share that. But unfortunately, the torment and the difficulty in sharing that in a small rural town in Texas um, led to a whole lot of incidents. Uh, you know, he was felt suicidal when he was rejected. And, you know, it was just a really difficult time. So we decided to get him away from this boy who was fixated on and in love with and to get him over to stay with me in California. So I got him here and you know I'm getting him in the school here and all that stuff and and so it should have been an easy breezy thing but in the process of him saying that he was so depressed and suicidal and that he was gay they decided it was time to finally do an IEP on him and his mother went ahead and went along with that it's the biggest mistake in the world if you can avoid an IEP I know that everybody out there is going to go what don't you want all those services I got to tell you if you can avoid the IEP because there's not enough of a disability, it's better if you're keeping track and you're making sure everything's going well because that kind of control by systems that are looking at your children, you just if you're not you know, if you're not stacking the deck with the wonderful teachers and administrators that are the rare jewels in the system, you are about to have sort of a, an experience of yuck at the very least. So here we are, we're in this school, and the IEP follows him, and the school that he really wants to get into, which is a magnet school, and it's perfect for him. There's, um, you know, there's heterosexuals, gays, parasexuals, it's like a, a very open environment. There's 
thespians galore because it's a, a theater school. It's like just the perfect place for him. He's just so creative and dramatic, and he works on screenplays all the time. And I mean, this is a boy who's going to be a success as a man because he already talks like he's the grown-up and thinks he is, and all we need to do is get him to – he's only – he's 17. He's almost there. Once he's an adult, he'll be accepted very differently. So this school that he would be so perfectly placed in won't take him because he has an IEP. Had he not had the IEP done, he'd be in there already. So now we're stuck in this other school, and you got to understand, this is a boy who is, you know, he towers over me. He's about six foot four, five maybe, and he's almost that wide. He's a really big guy. He's huge. He's, you know, he comes here, and I'm like, well, how about some, you know, not pizza every day? And so he goes to the school and he's got as many of your kids probably do a little fixation on certain foods and so he only wants particular foods and I'm asking him to eat healthier and it's you know different than what it was in his other home and so he goes to the school and he's like complaining about food because he wants pizza literally every day and I'm not up for that and so because he complained about food and he has an IEP he's looked at different and because I won't sign papers that they want signed and I know my rights and I fight for it we all of a sudden have a police at our door and children's protective services at our door seeing if I'm feeding him and I'm like look at him (laughs) I mean, it's like, I wish you could see. It's like it's like saying, do you feed the Michelin man? I mean, seriously, he's well fed. So the very fact that they would jump on that is hilarious. But what's really awful is what that then did to him and how he felt about the fact that he'd spoken out about wishing he had different food and wanting different food and um, and feeling like he'd brought in trouble to our door. And they don't think about that. They just go ahead and complain and, and make phone calls. And and so I'm telling you this, because, not because I'm worried about it. I mean, you know, like I said, you can't really make a case for you don't feed the Michelin man. So we're really okay. And I do know my rights, and I will do the the fighting that needs to be done for him to make sure that he gets what he needs. But I want you to sort of be aware, if you have the ability to not get an IEP done because your child will be able to handle general education with the right supports, lots of tutoring, lots of you being really wonderful and supportive and, you know, saying, well, you don't really need to finish that assignment anyway if it's too stressful and just really being there for them. I suggest you do that because you have much more control when you don't have an IEP. So this is probably not what you used to thinking or hearing, but given my last series, you know I've, um, I do it a little different. And my kids, because I fought those battles, because I took them away from the schools, because I did the things that said I'm not going to use the system because the system is broken. I'll only use the good, the good teachers and educators in the right circumstance at the right time. Um, it was an awfully difficult journey, and I had to really do a lot of ducking and weaving with the system. But had I not done it that way, they would not be off the spectrum and they are, most of them, and the one boy who's in the Army would not have been allowed in. So what you have to understand is that you're making a lifetime choice for your child when you bring in the special education uh, template. Now, I got lucky. I jumped countries. I went from Canada to the States, and I just didn't bring his that boy that went into the Army. I just didn't bring that special ed information with me. I finagled it. 
So uh, really take charge of your children's lives. You are creating their future. You're creating their future by how you talk to them, by how you share with them, by how you love on them. But you're also creating their future by the choices you make in the school system and the choices you make for getting support. If you go and you get Social Security um, in order to have more money, in order to afford more, I understand that. But make sure that uh, you're not setting yourself up for something that you wish you weren't. Sometimes it's better to go without. We, you know, we are often without and using mattresses on the floor because it's easier than dealing with the authority figures that might see things as um, problematic when they're really not. And it's really, really, I can't say this loud enough or long enough, you really want to be in charge of your child's life or you will feel like you don't know what you're doing and you will think it's your fault when really it's the mess of the system that is coming at you and giving your child the wrong rewards and creating a a situation where your child is becoming violent and then they're blaming you. I see it all the time. It's it's really uh, it's really 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 uh, true and 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 challenging problem. So uh, stay in charge. You're the mom. You're the dad. Be in charge. And if you're the educator, be aware. See if you can help those people. Duck and weave. Of the two teachers that you just heard Lyman talk about, be the good one, please. Or quit. Go do something else. All right. Be, be aware of who you really are. If you don't belong as a teacher, don't teach. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, because I'm a teacher. <laughs> this is a new spin on autism. Answers. Thank you for being here, because without you guys, I would just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, a real-life guide to autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.